Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Tortoise. Hello, it's Basha here and you're listening to the Slow Newscast from Tortoise. This is episode two of our new mini-series, Epstein's Money Men, Eyes Wide Open. And just to warn you, it contains some references to sexual violence. I'm handing over to my colleague, David Taylor, who's reported this story. For most of the 21st century so far, one global bank in particular has become synonymous with scandal. The Frankfurt-based bank fired two employees in connection with a spying scandal. It had failed to prevent the equivalent of around nine and a quarter billion euros in suspicious trades out of Russia between... It's Deutsche Bank. And from laundering Russian money to fixing interest rates, from dumping subprime mortgages to sanctions busting for Iran, Libya and Syria, the German bank has lurched from one terrible judgment call to another. The department is announcing a billion-dollar lawsuit right now against Deutsche Bank and its mortgage unit. And Germany's Deutsche Bank has become embroiled in the LIBOR rate-rigging scandal. The bank's chairman has blamed... So, it's maybe not a surprise to discover that the bank, which has a big presence in New York and has a glamorous office overlooking Central Park, plays a part in the Epstein story. The Dow hit a new high today. The Dow beat it's 2013. New York is bouncing back from the crash of 2008 and investors in the stock market are driving up prices to record levels. Only about 30 minutes into the trading day and the Dow Jones Industrial Average surged. Jeffrey Epstein is a registered sex offender by now, convicted of solicitation of prostitution with an underage girl. And as well as serving a prison sentence, he is known to have paid out to settle multiple lawsuits with different women, accusing him of trafficking and sexual abuse. But Epstein's world of networking with powerful public figures, presidents, princes, Nobel winners and business titans didn't stop after he was convicted in 2008. People are still very willing to spend time with him at his mansion on the Upper East Side. We can see from his 2013 calendar, a dinner is planned with the film director Woody Allen, the mega-selling artist Jeff Koons and the celebrity magician David Blaine. Woody Allen is photographed in the street strolling with Epstein and Epstein's 2013 calendar shows another dinner being planned with Microsoft billionaire Bill Gates. But beyond the busy social calendar, 
there was something else happening in 2013. Jeffrey Epstein needed to find a new bank. As we learned in episode one, Epstein had more than 50 accounts with the giant American bank JP Morgan and had a protector there in Jess Staley, the powerful investment banker. For years, in spite of the concerns of people at the bank responsible for tracking suspicious activity, Epstein had been able to access massive volumes of cash, which sustained his growing sex trafficking empire. Young girls from Eastern Europe were being brought to the United States through a modeling agency. And once they were in Epstein's orbit, these girls were caught in a world of coercion and abuse, which was very hard to escape. Jess Staley left JP Morgan in 2013. And at the same time, the bank was coming under pressure from US regulators over its very lax handling of suspicious accounts. That same year, Epstein's accounts were closed down. For years, J.P. Morgan chose to stay with a lucrative but ethically compromising customer. But what happens next is a bad judgment call that is harder to believe because Deutsche Bank steps in, eyes wide open, to recruit Jeffrey Epstein. I've spoken to people who followed the Jeffrey Epstein story for years, people who work inside New York finance, who have knowledge of the culture inside the banks, people close to the lawsuits, and in the US Virgin Islands where Epstein had his private island called Little St. James. The story I'm going to tell you is based on those interviews and the many pages of legal documents that are putting hidden information into the open and taking us inside the decisions and conversations at the banks. In episode one, we told you about a lawsuit against JP Morgan, brought by a young woman who was training to be a ballet dancer in New York when she first encountered Epstein in 2006. Known in a lawsuit as Jane Doe One, she alleges that over a period of years, she was trafficked, raped and abused. Well, there's a second woman to tell you about now, a woman who began a lawsuit against Deutsche Bank in November 2022. Legal documents name her as Jane Doe 1, or sometimes DB Jane Doe, short for Deutsche Bank. She's from Eastern Europe and came to New York in 2003 after she was purchased by Epstein at the age of 14. Her lawsuit alleges... Having been conditioned that the sexual abuse was normal, and knowing that everyone surrounding Epstein, including accountants, lawyers, bankers, and other important people, were aware of the sex abuse, Jane Doe 1 was coerced into a cult-like life, controlled by Epstein and others, to be sexually abused and sexually trafficked. She's raped repeatedly, abused by Epstein almost daily, and plays a part in bringing other women into his orbit. Eventually, after 15 years, she gets away from him and escapes his organisation. And it's now known that after Epstein's death in 2019, she reached an out-of-court settlement in 2022 with the Epstein estate for $7.4 million. And last November, she began the lawsuit against Deutsche Bank, accusing the bank of, quote, participating in and financially benefiting from 
their direct and intentional involvement in Jeffrey Epstein's sex trafficking venture by providing the financial lifeblood and infrastructure for the venture's continued operation. At this point, I want to introduce a man called Ryan Schwerbler. I work in financial crimes investigation. I started out in law enforcement. He's an anti-money laundering specialist. He's worked in the public and private sector. He was on the US Secret Service's Financial Crimes Task Force and is an academic at the University of Alabama. Ryan's looked deeply into the Epstein case and the lessons to be drawn from it. There's a whole litany of different types of activity that can be suspicious. And, and, and he can help us really understand what goes on at Deutsche Bank from 2013. Because if Epstein lost his protector at J.P. Morgan when Jess Staley left, at Deutsche Bank, he gained a corporate co-conspirator. This part of our story starts with a man called Paul Morris, who joined Deutsche Bank in late 2012. He'd been part of the J.P. Morgan team that managed Epstein accounts, and in November 2012, joined Deutsche Bank as a relationship manager in the bank's private wealth department. And as the lawsuit alleges, Morris had a special relationship with Epstein. Paul Morris suggests to senior management that Epstein is a potential client who could generate millions of dollars of revenue and introductions to other lucrative clients. And in the spring of 2013, Paul Morris and Epstein began discussing a potential relationship with Deutsche Bank. It's estimated that 100 to $300 million would flow through the accounts of Epstein-related entities, and Deutsche Bank would earn up to $4 million a year just for handling them. The documents show that from the outset there were concerns about Epstein at the bank, but they also reveal the contortions they went through to get to Epstein's money and his contacts. A junior relationship coordinator writes a memo detailing the Epstein criminal conviction and by that time the 17 out-of-court settlements he's reached with survivors of abuse. But Paul Morris has a plan. He proposes that all Epstein-related accounts should be for entities affiliated with Epstein, not personal accounts. That's one way of getting around the risk to the bank's reputation. And in May 2013, Charles Packard, Deutsche's US co-head of wealth management, sent an approval email to Paul Morris. It shows Packard had been given a green light from both the head of compliance and from Deutsche Bank's US general counsel. Neither suggest requires rep risk and we can move ahead so long as nothing further is identified. So the junior colleague is highlighting the risks and the senior people are waving them away. Two years later, Paul Morris and Charles Packard met privately and in person with Epstein at his Upper East Side mansion. And during the meeting, Packard asked Epstein about his involvement in sex trafficking. In response, Epstein allegedly explained away suspicious transactions, including large cash withdrawals and suspicious payments to Russian accounts. The lawsuit alleges that during this meeting at the mansion, trafficking victims were in the house and openly observable. But Deutsche's Charles Packard and Paul Morris did not make any contemporaneous record of their meeting with Epstein. Instead, Jane Doe's lawyers have other sources inside the bank. 
Through information and belief, other Deutsche Bank employees also met with Epstein personally outside the bank and made observations consistent with Epstein's daily sex trafficking activities, which included being surrounded by certain of his victims. Other than perfunctory private meetings with Epstein to get their stories straight, Deutsche Bank did not take any other steps at the time to investigate the veracity of the allegations about Epstein being involved in sex abuse and sex trafficking. And of course, the unminuted meetings meant there was no paper trail. It's as if Deutsche Bank doesn't want to ask too many questions or record too many answers. Deutsche Bank's own rules lay out how such diligence meetings are to be conducted when dealing with high-risk clients. This is how a compliance worker for Deutsche Bank put it. There are meant to be minutes taken. There is meant to be a thorough record of the meeting. Allegations are meant to be put to the client in writing, and the client is generally expected to have his lawyer or advisor, and often also his accountant, with him. Both sides are meant to sign off on the minutes of such meetings, and failing to abide by these regulations is a disciplinary offence at Deutsche Bank. The documents say neither Packard nor Morris were ever disciplined. Later that day, a member of the Reputation Risk Committee contacts the team and confirms they are comfortable with things continuing with Epstein, and that another member of the committee had noted a number of sizeable deals recently. They said that this is Ryan, our anti-money laundering expert. One was that there was clear activity of anti-money laundering red flags that triggered in their transactional monitoring systems, but that were were cleared, which means they're reviewed by a compliance personnel and closed out with, you know, a short summary, something to the effect of uh, this type of transaction activity is normal for the client. No matter how suspicious the flows of money from the Epstein accounts, the approach was this. If they'd seen it before, it was normal and therefore not suspicious. But again, just because that type of transaction activity has happened historically in that account does not mean it's not suspicious, right? Why in the world is this person bringing in all this cash and then wiring all this money outside the United States? Does it make sense for this kind of activity to be going on or could it be potentially tied to something illicit? One email exchange shows a member of the transaction monitoring team responding to an alert about payments to a Russian model and Russian publicity agent from an Epstein account, stating, Since this type of activity is normal for this client, it is not deemed suspicious. And this blind-eye approach goes on for years. In a May 2018 email, a compliance officer asks a relationship manager about payments to the accounts of women with Eastern European surnames at a Russian bank and asks for an explanation of the purpose of the wire transactions and Epstein's relationship with them. An accountant responds in all caps. Sent to a friend for tuition for school. A relationship manager adds. Generally, Jeffrey has separate accounts to manage each of his properties. This is one of them. However, when making one-off transfers to people, he and his finance staff have the flexibility to use any account they like that is funded. There were no follow-up questions and the transaction was cleared. It gets worse. At Deutsche Bank, that's where Epstein's attorneys came to bank leadership and asked the question, um, how much cash can be taken out of an account and how frequently uh, without it being reported to federal authorities? Now, 
that that's a big red flag right there. I mean, that's basically tipping your hand that you're doing something. Um, you're laundering funds uh, by asking that question. As almost everyone in the world knows by now, there was a pattern to Epstein's offending. Girls were silenced with money and paid more to recruit others. Some would stay under his control for years, their immigration status or challenging personal circumstances making it difficult to get away. Cash was vital to covering up the criminality. Epstein's attorney would go in person to the Deutsche Bank branch on Park Avenue several times a month and draw out thousands of dollars in cash. By law, banks must file currency transaction reports to the US Treasury Department when there are cash transactions with an individual in excess of $10,000 in one day. And someone who breaks up transactions into smaller amounts to avoid the reporting is committing a crime known as structuring. Epstein's attorney asks the bank how often he can withdraw cash on behalf of Epstein without an alert being triggered. And instead of throwing their hands up in horror, one of Deutsche's relationship coordinators sends an email to the branch manager saying, Is it once a week? Twice a week? Once every other week? As Ryan puts it, the bank should be reporting suspicious transactions, not trying to help their clients structure withdrawals to avoid scrutiny. One day in July 2017, Epstein's attorney asks a bank teller in the branch whether a withdrawal transaction in excess of $10,000 in cash would require reporting. And when he's advised that it would, he breaks up the withdrawal transaction over two days. In the space of four years, the attorney withdraws $800,000. Deutsche Bank is putting its loyalty to the client and his money before its duties under law and giving him access to unlimited cash to conceal his criminal enterprise. The compliance department brought the issue forward to senior leadership within the bank and senior leadership ultimately decided to sweep it under the rug. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
Alright, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So far, this has mostly been a New York story, with Jeffrey Epstein living without scrutiny in a private playground on the Upper East Side. But as we now know, the real centre of his criminality was in the US Virgin Islands, where he had bought a private island out of sight from the world. And thanks to the lawsuits against Deutsche Bank and the US Bank JP Morgan, we're still learning more about what happened in the US Virgin Islands. Much has been said over the years about the scale of the abuse there. We know 138 women shared $121 million in compensation in a case settled by the Epstein estate in 2021. We know of private planes, helicopters and boats which carried many young women to the island of Little St James. One earlier lawsuit showed how women were flown there dozens of times and abused by Epstein in his office or in his sauna. And we're still learning new details from the current lawsuits. The documents show that Epstein forced at least three American women into same-sex marriages with foreign women who had visa problems. He threatened reputational and bodily harm if they didn't agree to the marriage. One of the lawsuits describes how a 15-year-old victim tried to escape by swimming off Epstein's island after being abused by him. Epstein and others organised a search party and brought her back to the island where they took away her passport. Which would not be an easy thing. The currents are crazy and it wouldn't be a safe thing to do. This is Sean Cobb, executive editor of The VI Source, an online newspaper serving the US Virgin Islands community. She's based on the main island of St Thomas. Little St James sits about a mile offshore off its southeastern tip. Stone's throw. I mean, it, it's, it's not that far. You know, he had like a line of palm trees along the top and he had taken away a lot of the vegetation on the island. Um, so it was pretty bare uh, with roads leading to the different areas the different houses and the beach houses. Another bizarre thing would be on the beach on one side, there was a cow, but it wasn't a real cow. It was like a statue of a cow, almost like a mechanical cow, just totally out of place. But there was, you know, talk at the time, oh, that's, it's got cameras. It was a security feature. Epstein was so concerned about security and privacy, he also bought the neighbouring island of Great St James. There's a culture on the islands of being good at looking the other way, Sean said. And when Epstein was arrested in the US on federal charges in 2019 for sex trafficking of minors in New York and Florida, the island authorities initially did just that. The Attorney General Denise George at the time said she did not see pursuing charges against him related to here. 
you know, that it would have to have been a crime here and, you know, there's lots of hearsay. But around five months later, the Attorney General, Denise George, changed tack and went for it. She had talked to three victims who claimed that they were, you know, assaulted here. And that's kind of when it took off. Denise George is one of the few heroes of this story. In 2020, she went after the Epstein estate for civil racketeering. And in November 2022, after building the case for nearly three years, there was a moment in this dark story of genuine triumph. She reached a $105 million settlement for the USVI government, where lucrative tax breaks given to Epstein companies were repaid and half the proceeds of the sale of the islands would be handed over. With that money, she set up a fund to support victims of sexual abuse cases. Lawyers involved in the latest lawsuits credit Denise George with gathering the testimony of survivors and building a case to go after Epstein's money, and then the banks that are claimed to have enabled Epstein. In other words, going after Epstein's money men. A few weeks after that successful settlement, Denise George announced she had started a lawsuit in New York against J.P. Morgan, without telling the governor of the USVI. Days later, she was fired. But the case is continuing. We tried to get an interview with Denise George, but she declined. So, with the help of Sean Cobb's team at VI Source, we managed to get in the room a few weeks ago to hear her speak when she was honoured for her work. The National Sexual Violence Response Centre has chosen her for its annual award of the Visionary Voice Award for her work on behalf of victims of sexual violence and sex abuse and trafficking. And the sound isn't great, so it's a little difficult to hear, but we wanted to share a short clip of Denise talking about fighting for people who don't have a voice. She said her 92-year-old dad was the one who inspired her. And how once she'd heard from those survivors in her office, she knew what had to happen. She's left office, but the work goes on. And thanks to the direction she took to get justice for the survivors of Epstein, the energy in the legal fight is now aimed at the banks. And while Epstein's estate was rich, the real money is with the banks. While we've been working on this investigation, something dramatic happened. The case of Jane Doe 1 v Deutsche Bank was heading for trial in September. But on May the 17th, something extraordinary happened. Deutsche Bank agreed to settle the case for $75 million. By settling, it means an admission that the bank made mistakes. What it really means is that dozens of survivors of Epstein will each get $75,000, but they will also be able to make further claims to get more from that $75 million pot. Some women may get upwards of $5 million. Lawyers for Jane Doe 1, the trafficked Eastern European teenager who was abused in Epstein's world for 15 years, welcomed the bank's willingness to take responsibility for its role. 
It's worth saying the settlement comes on top of a fine of $150 million that Deutsche Bank paid in 2020 to US regulators for its failings over Epstein. In a statement to us, Deutsche Bank said, We acknowledge our error of onboarding Epstein in 2013 and the weaknesses in our processes and have learned from our mistakes and shortcomings. Immediately following Epstein's arrest, we contacted law enforcement and offered our full assistance with their investigation. We have been fully transparent and have addressed these matters with our regulator, adjusted our risk tolerance and systematically tackled the issues. They went on to say they'd invested more than 4 billion euros to strengthen controls, training and processes and they've increased the size of their global anti-financial crime team to more than 1,900 people. This settlement seems to be an acceptance that the bank had just run out of options. But it doesn't end there. Another thing has come to our attention. When I say that Deutsche Bank had run out of options, they had tried one last strategy before settling. They tried to have the case of Jane Doe 1 thrown out. They claimed that the previous settlement she'd made with the Epstein estate in 2022 stopped her from making legal claims against anyone else connected to him. But a judge rejected that argument, leaving the way open for a class action where other women would be part of the lawsuit. It raised the stakes and the bank folded. It's not an apology, but as one New York financier told me, at least they've fessed up. The ripple effect of the Deutsche Bank case is not over. There's another thing we've discovered, hidden in the legal documents. A lawyer with close knowledge of the case shared with us a previously unknown document. It was entered into the public record during Deutsche Bank's effort to have Jane Doe 1's case thrown out. And it shows that Jane Doe 1's settlement agreement with the Epstein estate did contain a clause to say that she couldn't just reach a deal with the estate and then try to sue other associates of Epstein. But she insisted that the names of two men were explicitly excluded from that arrangement. So it's still possible that in future, Jane Doe 1 could sue these two men. We don't know what they might be accused of, but their names are now in the public domain. One of them is Jess Staley, the man who handled Epstein's accounts at JP Morgan and then went on to Barclays. Presently, I'm in the hot tub with a glass of white wine. And the other is a man called Leon Black, another giant figure in New York City, who set up the private equity company Apollo Global Management. Leon Black is a man with an aggressive business reputation who reached the pinnacle of high society in New York's Upper East Side as a philanthropist and patron of the arts. For decades, Leon Black was a master of the universe, staging corporate buyouts, reshaping American capitalism. Fortunately, we've had a lot of good breaks over the last 25 years. Leon Black became a billionaire in the process. He was also the man who bankrolled Epstein. In episode three of Epstein's Money Men. Epstein was nobody's idea of a tax expert. And the idea that Leon Black would go to Jeffrey Epstein for tax advice, it it was a mystery and it, it remains a mystery. 
He actually, in the documents that we've reviewed thus far, is the person who has the most scheduled meetings with him. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Slow Newscast from Tortoise. It was written and reported by me, David Taylor. The producer was Imi Harper and the editor was Basha Cummings. Sound design was by Hannah Varrell. For early access to the latest episodes of this series, subscribe to Tortoise Plus on Apple Podcasts or join Tortoise as a member by downloading the Tortoise Audio app today. Tortoise. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're supposed to learn from our own mistakes, but other people's errors can be instructive too. From efforts to control the weather that went disastrously awry, to the untimely death of the Segway boss, history is a treasure trove of mishaps and meltdowns that can teach us all. I'm Tim Harford, host of Cautionary Tales, the podcast that mines the greatest fiascos of the past for their most valuable lessons. Listen to Cautionary Tales wherever you get your podcasts.